Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the June 13th edition of the Connect Online Meeting. It is my pleasure to be with you tonight. Of course, I'm Jonathan Jenkins, and as always, we are looking forward to another great evening, another great uh, um, lesson from God's Word. Uh, we've got Brother Robbie Eversole here with us, and we'll get to Brother Robbie in a moment. But before we do that, uh, first of all, uh, Eric is going to be away for most of this week. He told me where he was going. He told me Friday night where he was going, and I don't remember. I think it's I think it's a gospel meeting, but for some reason that doesn't sound right. But Eric is not with us. He should be back with us on Friday, but I have to hold down the fort until he uh, until he returns. So just be uh, just be us until he gets back. So uh, keep him in your prayers while he is off doing some of the Lord's work, I believe. And we are looking forward to having his return at the end of the week. So having said that, um, we do have. Um, uh, well, just already said that. Have Robbie here with us, and we'll get to Robbie in just a second. See, I, I broke up my method. I broke up my stream. I broke up the way we do this. I already messed it up when I'm by myself. That's why we need Eric to keep me on track. But uh, anyway, while we're getting started, if you would please take a second, like, share, and subscribe. Uh, do all those things that we ask you to. It helps us, whether you're on the um, YouTube channel or the Facebook channel, or whether you are uh, listening to the audio feed over on our Podbean account. You are more than welcome to uh uh, join us in any of those places, and we would greatly appreciate it if you would. Check the uh, descript the links in the description of the uh, stream that you are currently uh, uh, using right now, and you will find the addresses to all of our social media platforms. And uh, if you would participate in those, we would appreciate it. Uh, if you want to help out the work here at Digital Bible Study, you can do that with the stars and the super chats uh, on Facebook and YouTube. I think Podbean also has some uh, method of doing that as well. Um, like they call it coins over there, but uh, any of those are greatly appreciated nightly. Some of you just do a few, a few of those every night, and that helps out a great deal with the work we do here. If you want to subscribe to our efforts, uh, two ways you can do that. You can do it at our website at digitalbiblestudy.org, or you can do that over at our new locals page at digitalbiblestudy.locals.com. So that's all of the housekeeping stuff we do to get started. But keep in mind, we will be saying a prayer at the end of the evening tonight. That is our standard practice, and we look forward to... Um, uh, having you do that or, or having to um, having to do that with you and for you. If you have any prayer requests that you would like to put in throughout the evening, uh, please do that. I'll try to keep track of them and we'll um, uh, address those when we get to the end of the evening tonight. Before we turn to Robbie, do not forget uh, that we are starting tonight a week-long Spanish language gospel meeting. Um, now, for those on the audio feed, it will not be on the audio feed. You'd have to come get it over on Facebook or YouTube. Um, but two hours each night, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday this week, uh, directed by Marlon Rotana, and I believe he is kicking off the evening. Uh, those feeds will actually be on their own stream, so you'll have to close down this one uh, when it ends and then find it on our Facebook and YouTube uh, um, uh, platforms and connect to the next feed. So we have two lessons tonight. Uh, I would tell you what they're about, but they were in Spanish, so I don't know what they're about. <laughs> So, but uh, if you have any Spanish speaking uh, individuals that, you know, need to hear the gospel over the next four nights, we have eight hours of teaching uh, coming, coming from some of our Spanish speaking brethren. And we are excited to be working on that together with them and looking forward to it. So having said all that, I do need to hurry along because we do have another session coming up here at eight and we need to get this whole thing wrapped up by eight. And I don't take up too much more of uh, good brother Robbie's time. Uh, but 
thank you, Robbie, for coming on. It was a, a last minute invite because I have not been as focused on my scheduling as I should be. So I appreciate the the uh, 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 hurried manner in which you put your stuff together to be here with us tonight, brother. Thank you for that. Good to see you. Uh, I think you've about the last time you came on, I think you would maybe just agreed to the work there or something like that. Your new, your new work uh, it was close in that time frame, but uh, uh, tell us how that's going. Tell us uh, about what's going on in your life, all that kind of stuff, man. Good to see you. It's good to be here, and I thank you for the invite. I just want to welcome everyone. And so the last time I was on, I was considering several works. Uh, the one that I'm at hadn't quite popped up yet, but uh, the Lord opened the door for the congregation in Morganton, Georgia the Eastside Church of Christ. We started there in February, and things are going well. The honeymoon is just glistening, and the people have received us. They love us, and we love them, and the work is going well. These these people are workers, and we're not doing it alone, and that's so encouraging. Well, that's outstanding, man. Good to hear that it's going well. Um, uh, I see you in the, in the, uh, the comments section all, all the time, uh, and I do appreciate the way you uh, uh, you participate, support the program here. It is it is just good to know that uh, even some gospel preachers tune in from time to time to to, to hear other guys preaching the word. Um, you know, sometimes it is gospel preachers that love preaching the most, uh, and so I preachers do appreciate need that. Too. And this platform has done uh, has has really been a treat for the brotherhood. It's given us a a blessing, and that I've I've been able to become acquainted with preachers that I'd never heard of and and have just had my my socks blown off and it's been such a blessing and you and eric are to be commended for for the treat and the the good that this platform is doing and uh some preachers that i i, I love and and revere and, and and appreciate i get to hear quite often but i've mm -hmm. gotten to get acquainted with some some new preachers on here that have just been an absolute treat yep yeah, yeah. believe it or not i had never heard your dad before we started this, I knew of him, but I had never, he, he and I had just never been at the right lectureships together at the right time, I don't suppose. But, uh, uh, and so that has absolutely been a blessing to my life. And uh, as I hadn't heard him, I hadn't heard you either. And well, that little nut didn't fall too far from the tree. Um, but we are looking forward to it. I don't want to take up any more of your time, brother. Uh, I believe the title of your lesson tonight is The Healing at the Pool of Bethesda. So uh, we are looking forward to that. Uh, Obviously, you've got a text for that, or you have anything you want to uh, whet our appetites with that before we turn you loose? So the text is going to be John chapter 5, the first 17 verses. Uh, the overarching theme of John is these things are written that you might believe. And so this text falls in, uh, in, in a body of, of a unit, and we're right in the middle of seven signs that Jesus does that are recorded for us, that we can believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. All right. Well, that, I'm sure that is going to be excellent. So we will get our Bibles ready for John 5, and I will turn you loose. The floor is yours, so go ahead and start preaching whenever you're ready. I just want to say once again how thankful I am for your attendance. I know the people in the thread. I see you quite often. You're here night after night, and you are engaged in these uh, spiritual matters, and that is just so heartwarming. And I appreciate you. I know this platform appreciates you, appreciates the support. And, and, and it's through this that we're going to be able to go to heaven together. And, and that's just a beautiful thought. The book of John is neatly broken up into two units, so the professionals tell us. From John 1-1 to John chapter 12 and about verse 37, 
you have what is called a book of signs. There are seven major miracles that are recorded for us, and they are recorded that we might believe. From chapter 12 and verse 38 through chapter 21 and about verse 25, the end of the book, is a unit of, of the passion of Jesus Christ, where John records there for us about the last 24 hours of the life of Jesus as the vicarious suffering servant, the one that paid the ransom price for your sins and mine. It really is a, a well-written book. It's a phenomenal piece of literature. Like I said, there's seven signs. And in John chapter 5, we find ourselves in the third of the seven. So in John chapter 5, we, we find this setting. And it's, at a, it's during a feast of the Jews. The Jews celebrated certain feasts. And this one's not specifically named. But many of us would like to speculate or possibly think that this is the second Passover in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And that would give us a third Passover. And, and so we have the Passover in John chapter 2 and verse 13 when Jesus cleansed the temple. We would like to think that this is a Passover in John chapter 5 and verse 1. And then there's the Passover in John chapter 6 verses 1 through 4. And then the Passover that's taking place place in John chapter 13 and verse 1 through chapter 19 and verse 31. And this view gives us the three Passovers that we think accurate according to the timeline of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to take your Bibles and read with me the first three verses. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market of Pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, all withered, waiting for a moving, moving of the water. Now here the text tells us we are in Jerusalem. This is the holy city. This is the place where acceptable worship and sacrifice is is made unto God according to the commandment of the Lord. The temple is in operation here, and the Pharisees are in command. It's a small but very powerful group of Jewish people. But the, the text says that they're Jews, and so we'll leave it at that. The, the text brings out that we're at a sheep market, a sheep gate. Now, this was at the northern side of the city. It was an entrance into the temple complex, which was used to bring sheep into the temple for sacrifice. And this is where we find this pool. Now, the pool of Bethesda has some rich history, and some historians think that it was possible that Hezekiah commissioned the digging of it in the 8th century B.C. That makes a lot of sense. Hezekiah had a lot to do with water in the city of Jerusalem. But nevertheless, we see that the the, the, the manner of, of which it was used back then, which would be to bring sheep to wash and then to take into sacrifice, it's not being used that way anymore. And it's, it's like that. Things change in their usage over time. But the pool of Bethesda had five porches, steps, if you will. And it's here that we find all manner of impotent folk, blind, Paul withered, and the text says they're waiting for a moving of the water. And we come upon this pitiful sight, and our hearts break within us as we see the, the pain that's here. 
and, and the tortured souls who are looking for an answer. They're longing for a cure. Friends, these folks are all about us and around us today. And there may be even one among the crowd of us tonight gathered digitally among this crowd of weary souls beaten down by some ailment or addiction in dire need of the great physician. Some dispute is raised about verses 3 and 4, whether they should be in your New Testament, and that other translations have left them out. From what I've found, the vast majority of ancient Greek manuscripts and most of the earliest translations that have the stamp of approval from early church fathers, even as far back as the second century, they contain these verses. They're in the King James Bible that I use, but this lesson is not about getting bogged down in that kind of academia. I want us, you and I, tonight, to meet Jesus and a certain man. In verse number five, we read, and a certain man was there, which had an infirmity, 30 and eight years. It's amazing to me how Jesus could walk amongst a crowd of dejected, miserable, and sick, and, and most likely approach the one who has it the very worst. This man's been sick for 38 years, bound by affliction, paralyzed for 38 years. For you to have been in this predicament for 38 years, you would have had to have been paralyzed since 1984, totally dependent upon someone else. And growing out of this physical infirmity are sorrows like poverty and destitution and many other disappointments. You know, he's typical of all mankind. We're all sick. We're all sin sick. John would later write in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19 that the whole world lieth in wickedness. I understand that Christians were called out of the world, were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. I understand that. But we are not of the world, but we're in the world, and sin affects us in some way or another. It may be drugs or alcohol, lying, cheating, stealing, pornography. You name the personal way in which this sickness, this sin, and in which way you have fallen short of the glory of God. Maybe it's been 38 years for you. Maybe it feels like 100. Maybe you are still sick and you're still paralyzed and bound by your predicament. Let's notice verse 6 together. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? We see a certain question here. And Jesus being God in the flesh, he knew everything about the man as he beheld him in this pitiful state. And years of this man's sorrows start to flood the mind of Jesus as compassion builds within him for this man. And Jesus asks this certain question, wilt thou be made whole? How do we take this question? I mean, how does that come off to us? Well, of course, Jesus, what do you think I'm doing lying here? The question might seem a bit rude. I mean, the thought to ask such a question to this pitiful man, 38 years in this flight. 
I think oftentimes we are guilty of not giving people the benefit of the doubt. And as I've heard one good brother say before, I'm preaching starting behind me and coming forward to you wherever you're at this evening, that I am guilty of this as well. Not giving people the benefit of the doubt, not giving people their due. Paul in Philippians 4 and 8 said, whatsoever things are good and just and pure and honest and lovely and of good report, if there's anything virtuous, if there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Shouldn't people get the benefit of the doubt? Shouldn't our brethren get the benefit of the doubt? Shouldn't our Lord get the benefit of the doubt? Was this a sympathetic question in reality? I mean, what does Jesus do with these words in this moment? First, he fixes the man's attention on himself. I mean, he tells this man that's laid there for 38 years, do you want to get made whole? Do you want to be well? Don't you think that that perked his ears up a little bit? So he fixes his attention on himself. And then he awakens within this man an expectation for a cure. Now, this man has, has been laying there for years and years and years and years and years, and he's only expected one type of healing as even a possibility. But here comes this man and asks him, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be well? And so he fixes his attention. He arises with him an expectation, a possibility of a cure. And thirdly, he secures this man's consent. I want to tell you this evening, if nobody ever has, that Jesus Christ was not a Calvinist. Jesus Christ does not believe, he did not believe in irresistible grace. He did not believe in unconditional election. Jesus Christ is not going to force any man to do what anything that he does not want to do. You know, in reality, some folks prefer their sickness. That's just the world in which we live. Some do not want to be healed. They prefer the madness of their addiction, the blindness of pornography, the paralysis of their dishonesty, the pleasure of not taking responsibility. They don't have to walk. They don't have to live. They don't have. They don't. They can do any. They, they can do nothing. But somehow we find ourselves looking up at Jesus on our mat of paralysis and having to answer this question. Do we want to be made whole? Or are we content just lying there, feeling sorry for ourselves, being cared for by others to some extent? I mean, this man's laid there for 38 years. Somebody's been feeding him. Somebody's been clothing him. Somebody has been waiting on him. Think about it. Do I want to be healed? You know, there's always excuses for the excuse maker. It was in the 80s, Ronald and Nancy Reagan coined this slogan, just say no. It was a campaign that was attached to this uh, D.A.R.E. program that was designed to try to help keep kids away from drugs and violence. And But in this context and in this situation, in this case, we beg of the man to just say yes. And upon digesting the question Jesus asked him, wilt thou be made whole? 
we find a, a certain response in verse number seven. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. He says, someone's always getting in the pool before me. I have no man to help me in the pool. And Jesus must have a question mark pop up over his head as he's thinking, that's not what I asked you. This is not a proper response to the words that have just came out of Jesus' mouth. I'm reminded of the psalmist in Psalm 142 and verse 2, where he said, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed him all of my troubles. The Bible tells us that he is close to the brokenhearted and that he saves the crushed in spirit, Psalm 34 and 18. You see, that's who Jesus is. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, Luke 5 and 32. And they that be whole need not a physician, but they that be sick, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 12. And you see, the thing about that is, there is none righteous, no, not one, Romans 3 and verse 10. And so God commands everyone everywhere to repent, Acts 17 30. And that's exactly why Jesus said in John 3, 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Friends, the world is condemned. It's elliptical. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world only, but that the world could be saved by and through him also. Jesus did come to condemn sin. Jesus condemned the Pharisees for rejecting the counsel of God against themselves and refusing to be Save baptized of John, Luke 7 and 30. Jesus condemned the Pharisees for their abuse and their mistreatment of the law and of the people. Jesus condemned see, the Pharisees for not believing in the resurrection of the dead. Jesus did come to condemn sin. sin. Jesus but condemned the Pharisees to for rejecting the make a way back to glory. For you and I, by the sacrifice of himself. Behold the goodness and the severity of God. Romans 11, 22. Unto them that fell goodness, unto them that continued goodness, but unto them that did not, the severity. If only we could see people through the eyes of Jesus. If only you and I could decipher the, the pain and the heartache in men's lives. If only our intentions were as pure toward the outcast of our society as the God-man. Maybe the response this man gives Jesus is not one of will, but of opportunity. Maybe the spirit of this man is so heavy from 38 years of bondage, and he's so discouraged by disappointment, he's raw from rejection, he's burdened by defeat, Maybe it's Jesus that comes onto the scene as one who brings light to those that sit in darkness in the shadow of death, Luke 179. Maybe it's you who are crushed by depression, who are paralyzed by your anxiety, who is discouraged by the many disappointments you face in life. Maybe it's you that's raw from rejection. Maybe it's you that's burdened by defeat. And Jesus is asking you at this point, would you be made whole? In verse number eight, 
we see a certain cure. Jesus saith unto him, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. Friends, it's right here. It's these words that are going to set off a chain of events that alter the course of history. It's here that a change in the narrative will begin. It's here in these words that are going to set off uh, the course of history whereby God is going to be able to accomplish the eternal plan by the actions of these wicked people. Let's consider this command that Jesus gives. He says, arise. <laughs> Here Jesus tells this man who has not had the power to go anywhere to get up. You know, the Lord never gives a command that is impossible for us to obey. Where there is a will to obey, strength to obey will be given. Uh, we, we find that in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Were Paul from a Roman prison cell, a place of doom and gloom and a place in its own ride of discouragement? And Paul pins there, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, we see athletes and other people that they'll put that verse on their cheekbones as they go to play football and other things. But Philippians 4.13 is not about football. It's not about frivolity, but it is about fighting a spiritual war. It is about uh, gathering within myself a, a desire to obey the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and to be able to accomplish and do exactly what he would have me to do. It is about completing the master's mission and where God guides, he provides. That's six verses later in Philippians 4 and 19. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus told him, arise, take up thy bed. Jesus tells this man, you get your bedroll, you get your mat, and you get out of here. You know, we do ourselves a severe injustice when we attempt to overcome sin in our lives, and we make provisions for it. You know, Jesus in that great discourse on the mount, and he's this, this prayer that he prays, that, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, what are we doing? preparing for relapse, it's hard not to be led into temptation when we personally make decisions and go right where the temptation is. We walk headlong right in to the sin. Do we court failure by making provisions for it? Do I, do I drive in areas that I shouldn't be going? Do I talk to some young woman or some man that I have no business talking to? Shouldn't we be radical in our pursuit of holiness, in our pursuit of holy living? Isn't that uh, what Jesus wants us to do, to be radical in our pursuit, to be made whole? In John chapter 5, 29 and 30, if your eye offends you, 
pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. Jesus is not talking about bodily mutilation, but Jesus is talking about a radical sense in which we should be willing to do anything it takes to make it to heaven and to live holy, sanctified, committed lives to him. You see, there's nothing in this world that will be worth missing heaven. When you think about the scheme of redemption, when you think about the scheme of redemption and you think about this awesome and powerful God, creator of everything, and somehow within the three personalities, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit, the second member of the Godhead decides that he's coming to earth and he's going to take on flesh, John 1, 14. He's going to dwell among these people, his very own creation. They're going to reject him. They're going to crucify him in the most brutal way. That's pretty radical, isn't it? That's pretty radical when you think about it. And Jesus wants you and I to be radical in our pursuit of holiness and holy living. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, he said, any man that looks back after putting his hand to the plow, is not worthy of the kingdom. Are we guilty of looking back and, and making provisions for failures? Jesus said, arise, take up thy bed. He's telling the man, you make conscious use of the power that's given to you. I wouldn't dare turn this into a political speech, but it is true and it is, it is a good saying that we need to take care of ourselves. We need to be working and industrious people. The Bible teaches that. Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him work with his hands that thing which is good that he may be able to give to him that needeth. In 1 Timothy 5, Paul says that if a man would not provide for his own, he's denied the faith. Christians, we need to take up our mat. We don't need to expect to be carried. He says, arise, take up thy mat, and walk. You see, the Christian life is a walk. We walk by faith, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and at verse 7. We are to walk worthy, Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 1. We are to walk in him, Colossians chapter 2, and verse 6. The Christian life is a life in which we walk in the light, 1 John 1, 7. And by walking in the light, that's not a perfect walk, but it's not walking in the shadows either. The Christian life is not a stale nor stagnant religion. The devil wins every single time a subject made whole by Jesus Christ stops walking in him, stops running the race, stops taking up the cross, stops bearing one another's burdens. Jesus said, arise, take up thy bed and walk. In seven words, he said a mouthful, didn't he? In verse 9, we're going to see a certain restoration. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. The same was on the Sabbath day. You ever woke up in the morning and before your feet even hit the floor, you just knew today's not going to be a good day. I mean, my back's hurting. You've not even rolled over yet. You feel your, your RA's flaring up. you got a crick in your neck. Your knee ain't going to be working right. Your feet are sore. And you just know you're hurting. Consider this man who's been in this same 
predicament for 38 years. He's had nothing but the same thing. And all of a sudden, he feels different. He knows things are not the same. Instantaneously, there arose within this man an expectation that he has not failed in at least 38 years. He was either born this way or he'd been in this way for 38 years. He may have heard similar words before. He may have heard words, a chiding remark like, get up, boy. As he may have beckoned someone, a passerby, a, a friend, to help him into the water. Won't you get up and help yourself? But this man, this man was different. The man that spoke to him this time had a different look in his eye. He arose. He took up his mat. And he walked. It's a miracle. This man has laid by this pool, by this well-known, well-used gate, and he has just rolled up the mat that cushioned his frail frame for all of these years, and he walks off. He left his plaintiff position for another plane of living, a, a, a way of living that he could have only imagined in his wildest dreams. You know, friend, Jesus makes life better, doesn't he? Life without God is absolutely miserable. I'm reminded of Psalm chapter 40. Psalm chapter 40, where the psalmist says there, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many will see it. Many shall see it, and will fear, and shall trust in the Lord. The overarching theme of the book of John, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, many other things did Jesus in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and believing that you would have life through his name. Many shall see it and shall fear and shall trust in the Lord. Now in verse 10, we see a certain problem. Always got to be a problem. And so we see in verse 10, the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it's the Sabbath day. And it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. We see there's a problem that's arising between the healed man and the Jews. It's in this context that the, the Sabbath is violated. The law is broken. Solomon said rightly that there's nothing new under the sun. My, how that rings true. Here it is that we have the Jews that are so blinded by the law or their misinterpretation of it, that they can't see the liberty that is riding before their eyes. How often are we guilty, though, of focusing on the wrong things? Have we ever been guilty of focusing, taking our focus off of Jesus 
taking our focus off of spiritual things, taking our focus off of what's better for the brethren as a whole, what's better for the congregation and our community. Have we ever been guilty of naysaying or saying, well, that won't work, or you can't do it that way? Says who? The poet said, listen to the mustn'ts, listen to the don'ts, listen to the shouldn'ts, the impossibles, the won'ts, listen to the never-haves, then listen close to me. Anything can happen. Anything can be. Mark 10, 27, uh, the, the Lord said there, with men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. God had meant the Sabbath to be a help to man, not a hindrance. Uh, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And in John chapter, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus expressed that the life of a sheep was superior to their staunch interpretation of the Sabbath. So how much more this the life of this certain man that had been bound by affliction, pitiful, helpless, hopeless, depressed, defeated, and dejected. You know, the devil's going to rear his head. The devil's going to rear his head among the Jews, among the brethren. He's going to pop up, and, and he's going to attack, you can be sure. There can be something amazing taking place, something spectacular, something out of the ordinary. But since it goes against our traditions and the way that we've always done things around here, you get the point. These Jews corner and question this certain man, and we see in verse 11 a certain answer. And he answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed. And walk. Now, this man's a logical thinker. <laughs> How we need logical thinkers today in this world. And he reasons correctly about the events that have just taken place. A man approaches and says, Do you want to be better? Get up and walk. Bam. And this man's up and walking, just like he hasn't missed a beat. And he tells them when they ask him, who's made you whole? And don't you know it's a Sabbath day? Well, the funny thing is, the guy that told me this, he cured me of my paralysis. He said to take up my bed and walk. And I can timely see the look on the old boy's face as he looks at them like, well, what would you do? What would you do? In verses 12 and 13, we see, then they asked him, what man is that which said unto thee, take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not, he knew not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. You see, these marshals of the law and of the Sabbath, they had to get to the bottom of who did this good deed on the Sabbath. But this healed man is not aware of his name. But Jesus is going to finish the work that he had started in this man. I'm reminded of what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which started a good work in you will see it done and finished, completed unto the day of Jesus Christ. It was not good enough for Jesus to get this man out of his temporal uh, paralysis, his physical despair, but Jesus was going to address the soul. Jesus meant more than just healing the physical ailment when he posed this initial question. Now, in verse 14, the Bible says, Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon thee. Now, 
Behold, thou art made whole. Here it is. Jesus is finishing the job. And he says, go and sin no more, lest something worse come upon you. Worse? Worse than 38 years of paralysis? Heard somebody say 39. Yep, that'll do it. What about an eternal a torment in hell being put forever and ever and ever for all eternity from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power? What's worse than dying? Dying with the malady of sin, thereby receiving the wages of sin against your soul, which is death, eternally death. You see, we like the healed part. We love the good healed part. But what about the flying straight part? What about the part that says that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is our reasonable service, and to be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Too often we fight the transformation in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and following. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You see, this is the transformation. This is what we follow after. It looks like humbleness and obedience, even if it means death, friends. And it's interesting, Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal to God. Another translation would say that he thought that equality with God was not something to be held on to. There was something better for Jesus to do, that equality with God was not to be held on to at all cost. It was the saving and the redeeming and paying the price for your sins and mine. Friends, the transformation is the result of being made whole. It is the life that follows after answering the master's call to arise and take up your bed and walk. There's something worse, friends, than coming out of sin, and it would be going back to sin. A relapse is always more critical. In 2 Peter chapter 2, very familiar passage to us, for if after they have escaped, verse 20, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of this world through the knowledge, the complete and thorough knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled therein. So they're loose and then they are entangled. The latter end is worse with them than it was in the beginning. For it would have been better to have never known the way of righteousness than after to have known it than to have turned. From the holy commandment delivered unto them, for it happened unto them as the true proverb, the dog returned to his vomit, the sow after being washed to her watering in the mire. As we close this lesson, I want us to read verses 15 through 17. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. We see the certain truth here. It is here in this chapter that we have a revealing of a shift in the narrative between the lawyers and the lamb in the book of John. And from here on out, the Jews will, will seek to destroy the Christ. 
And in doing so, they were damning their own selves. They were damning their own selves by the law that they paraded about to love so much because it was the law that had brought them to this faithful hour. Deuteronomy 18, 18 and 19, the, uh, where it says there that I will raise up a prophet above, uh, from among their brethren like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I command him, and it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken to uh, my words which he shall speak, I will require it of him. Their rejection of Christ was breaking the very law that they supposedly loved. And the truth of the matter is that this man that Jesus healed, he got his healing from that prophet. He got his healing from this man, the great physician. It wasn't an angel everybody gathered at the pool. It wasn't a, the water that somebody might get let down into. It wasn't a friend who might be able to let him down into some troubled water. Make no mistake about it, friends. It is Jesus that heals this man. Jesus can take a troubled, excuse-filled life, and he can make it whole. Today, Christ puts this question to each one of us. Would you be made whole? It's through Christ that we find that we can do all those things that we failed to do. It's through Christ that we can be what we have never been able to be, that we can master those things which have constantly baffled us, that we can love like we've never loved before, that we can forgive those that we have not got around to forgiving, even ourselves, brethren. We can. None are too far away to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. He'll save the chief of sinners. He will save you and he'll save me. None are so hopeless. None are so helpless. Maybe it's been 38 years for you. Maybe it seems like 100. None have done so much wrong that they cannot be reached by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, he is able to save to the uttermost. Friends, Jesus said, take up your mat and walk. And this man would have never known had he not taken that very first step. And you, my friend, will never know the hope and the joy that's in Christ if you do not take a step and if you do not say yes. Whatever you're lacking, Jesus can make you whole. If only you'll believe in him as the Son of God, John 8 and 24. And if only you'll repent of your sins and turn from a past wicked way of life, Luke 13, 3, if only you will confess by mouth that Jesus Christ is and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If only you will just obey the ultimate authority, the author and finisher of our faith, the captain of our salvation, who said he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, Mark 16, 16. Jesus will save you, my friend, for the Father worketh hitherto in Christ is still at work. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful evening, and thank you for your kind attention. Thank you, Brother Robbie. That was, uh, that was encouraging, challenging, all those things together, man. That was just, uh, that was good stuff. I, 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 I guess I'll take Eric's word. Just say that was outstanding, man. I, I appreciate it. Um, I love the application of the, um, 
uh, of the uh, of the healing of the man, um, and just the the focus there, particularly there at the end about the on the on the power of the Christ, and 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 just just that call, man. I just I I am I'm, I'm I, I've heard a good sermon tonight. I know that much, and I, I appreciate it, man. Well, thank you so much for the invite. I I appreciate you. I'm humbled by by your kindness. Well, we will have you back again. Uh, I know without without any doubt about that. I think our people might ha- have an issue if uh, if we don't. And 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 y'all must be a, a, a you know a good family with each other because when 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 your daddy's on here, I see you in the comment section, and then I saw your daddy in there saying <laughs> one or nine, one or two nice things about you as it was going along. Uh, probably not much better than hearing your son preaching the gospel like that. Uh, I, I know that's got to. Uh, Warm your daddy's heart to, to hear you to hear you having such commitment and dedication to God's word. Anyway, well, thank um, you so much. Yes, sir. Well, we will let you go um, and uh, go ahead about the evening because I've got about seven minutes here to get the night wrapped up before uh, we have our Spanish language session. So let me say, go ahead and uh, say good night, Robbie, and we'll see you next time we have you on, brother. All right. All right, brother. Thank. You. All right, everybody. We will try to. Um, uh, get this thing wrapped up here at the top of the hour because we do have the uh, uh, hot topics is the theme, which is the word calientes in it and, and something with the word Spanish word for topics, hot topics is uh, coming up. Um, Marlon Rotana. Oh, thank you, Marlon. That's going to be real helpful right there. I see you have that in the comment section. Uh, tonight's lesson, sexual immorality, um, preached by Marlon Rotana because the way you type that, Marlon, sexual immorality by Marlon Rotana is probably not the way you mean that. <laughs> um, but then, um, and then agreed by Rogelio Medina. I hope that's somewhere in the right ballpark for there. But that's coming up here in about four or five minutes or six minutes or so, right after we get off the air here. Uh, that will be a new feed. Um, and so uh, if you will... Um, um, be on the lookout for that and support that in any way you can. I know they would be appreciative of it and we're looking forward to that. So let me go ahead and get to the prayer uh, request tonight so that we can get this um, uh, closed out in time for them. Uh, Yvonne is asking us to pray for her, her, let me bring it over here so I can see it, bring for her uh, mother and dad. Uh, doesn't give the details on that, but we will pray for them. Absolutely. Uh, Jonathan is also asking prayers for his dad and for his uncles or his uncle rather. Um, um, they're both dealing with cancer. Uh, his father's going to be having surgery to try to remove the cancer. And they're still waiting to see if they can do that for the uncle or not. Um, TK uh, was just asking for prayers of spiritual strength. We'll be glad to do that for you, TK. Uh, Trish um, is having prayers. She's having feet, ankle, and lower leg pain constantly. Uh, standing, walking on concrete floors for nine to 10 hour shifts. That has got to be uncomfortable, Trish. Uh, we'll be glad to pray for you on that. Um, and the Marie is going to be traveling to be with her sister. Her sister's having surgery on Friday. Uh, and after a while, um, she uh, uh, it's going to be staying there for a while after she uh, heals and recovers, uh, as she's healing and recovering. So keep that in your prayers. And, and don't forget my sister-in-law, Sherry, and her mother. Uh, her mother is still hanging on, but the, the, days, are, the days are numbered. Uh, we're expecting something to happen here just any any moment, any hour now to, uh, uh, as Sherry's mom uh, passes from this life, that should be not, not too far in the distant future may impact, 
uh, some things later in the week here at Digital Bible Study, because if they get the funeral and all that arranged by this weekend, we may be traveling up there to participate in that as well. Um, so having said all that, let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer together and uh, remember all of these. Father, we are uh, coming before you tonight in praise of your glory, thanking you for your goodness toward us. Uh, we're thankful for Robbie and his reminder tonight of that uh, great account in John 5. Uh, we, we are thankful of um, the compassion and the power of your son uh, to heal those that, that need to be healed. Uh, we know he did it physically, and we know that he can do that spiritually for us in this time as well. So we are thankful for him and for all that his sacrifice has provided us and for your goodness in providing him to us for those reasons. Uh, tonight, we're mindful of several in our audience. We're mindful of... Uh, Marie, as she travels, and her sister, she's going through the procedures. We ask you to blessings upon them. Uh, we're also mindful for Trish. We know she's uh, been going through a lot with her work, and we uh, know now she's having some physical pain to go along with it. So we ask your uh, blessings upon our good sister, Trish, and hope that uh, she can find some relief in all of those things. Uh, we're mindful tonight of um, Yvonne and whatever the situation is with, with her. We pray that uh, uh, she can be comforted and strengthened. Uh, also mindful of Jonathan and his uh, dad and his uncle as they deal with cancer. Uh, that can be a, a, a enduring struggle, and we pray that uh, a good outcome can be had for, for all of those that are involved and that their faith can be uh, conditioned and strengthened this time as well. Um, and then uh, we're also mindful of TK and uh, his or her um, need for strength in, in this time. Many people are needing that, and we are mindful of the, the needs of so many. We pray your blessings upon uh, TK as well. Um, and also, please uh, be with my, my sister Sherry and, and the whole Ellington family, and we pray that um, um, uh, her mom can be comforted in this in this transitional period. We pray your blessings upon that family as they uh, as they deal with the loss or the impending loss of a loved one. Uh, we thank you for all that you do. We pray your blessings on Eric and hope that he has a good productive week this week while he is away from us but we are uh, also asking your blessings here upon the work of digital bible study we pray that it can continue to prosper as you as you continue to bless it and it's through your son's name that we offer this prayer and amen all right everybody let's uh, see what we have over here i did not see anything come through on the youtube side um but um let me see about the facebook side um, as we are trying to, got two minutes, I can do this. If Facebook will refresh, there it goes. Facebook, there we go. Um, we have 50 stars from Patsy. I'm very thankful for that, Patsy. Um, thank you very much, as always. Uh, Sobrono with 100, another one of our regulars there. Sobrono, thank you so much for that. Um, Claudette with 200 stars, another one of our regulars. Thank you, Claudette. Uh, for 200 tonight and then another regular valetta 500 stars appreciate that valetta very much uh, as well um so let me go ahead and wrap this up tomorrow we'll start with from the deep end at eight o'clock um i think truth tuesday we should probably should have included him in the prayers daryl is having another surgery on friday but i think he's going to be available tomorrow so we should have truth tuesday at 10 and then don't forget christianity now with tony brewer and aaron dotson at the 11 o'clock hour and then for connect since we are taking up the uh, eight o'clock hour with the spanish language gospel meeting uh, we're just going to move tony in the cogitations blog up an hour so tony will technically be our speaker for 
um, connect tomorrow night. And then we'll just go from there over into the Spanish language meeting after that. So our speaker tomorrow night technically is Tony Brewer. So we're looking forward to having uh, Tony with us at that time as well. So uh, that's the schedule for tomorrow. I hope you will um, tune in and be a part of that as you can throughout the day then. Oh, I forgot Paul Mays. Don't forget Paul Mays at one o'clock. I always forget I always forget to throw Paul in there, but don't forget Paul Mays' program, I believe at one o'clock. Um, and with that, we will say good night to you. This stream is ending. If you want to participate in the Spanish language session that's following, uh, you will need to probably refresh your uh, your, pray, your page, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube, and find the, the stream. Uh, we'll say good night to everybody on the audio feed because uh, the Spanish language will not uh, be over there tonight. So, uh, so with that being said, I will say good night to you all. And as always, it is our prayer that you will go out and make your day a great one for God. Have a good night, everybody.